This message is brought to you by the Church of Pentecost Cyprus. As you listen, may it build faith in your heart, inspire hope in your life, and fill you with God's amazing love. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. This month, our theme is worship. And last week, we learned that um, there is an acceptable um, act of worship which God expects. And the person who gave us the highest form of all, who gave God the highest form of worship is Jesus. It's not David. It's not any other person, but it is Jesus. Because we realize that worship is sacrifice. You see, Abraham gave an act of worship, but it was not his own life he was laying down. It was his son's life. That is easier. But when it comes to you yourself, Jesus leaving his glory and everything to come and take upon himself the form of a servant and a slave. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience and submission unto God. Amen? Today, I want to speak, more or less continuing along that theme, and I want to speak on a message I've titled, The Kind of Worshippers That the Father Seeks. The Kind of Worshippers That the Father Seeks. Please, I want you all to repeat after me, those online as well. The kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. One more time. The kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. So the implication of that title is that there are various kind of worshippers. And it is not every kind of worshipper which pleases God. There is a particular type that the father wants. The honest truth is that everyone thinks that they know how to worship God. Everyone thinks they know what pleases God. And the implication of the sermon title is that there is a particular kind that God wants. And we want to go deeper into that. There is a particular kind that God wants. Now, how good or bad something is, is determined by the one who is receiving it. How good or bad something is, is determined by the one who is receiving it. Now, how good or bad our worship is, is determined by the one who is receiving our worship. That is God. He determines what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Um, When we look at worship in the form of even music or songs, Sometimes we may come to church and some people may say that today worship was not good at all. But the point is, the worship was not meant for you. We're not here to worship you. The one determining what is good and what is not good is the Father, the one who is receiving our worship. Our worship. Our worship. In the same way, many people have different views as to what is worshipped or the way that God likes worship. Some feel that for your worship in the church service to be accepted, you must wear a head covering, or the woman must wear trousers, or if you wear weave, then that means uh, your, your worship will not go above the weave. Once it hits the weave, it will bounce back down again, because they think that is the kind the Father seeks. Something that if you use lipstick, the moment worship comes out of your mouth, uh, the lipstick will, sw- will send it back into your mouth, because when the Father sees the lipstick, that is it. He will not want that kind of worship. 
people have many views. Some also think that uh, to, to truly worship God, you must bow down in terms of in a service form. You must roll on the floor. You must shout and make all the noise. Some also feel like in terms of a service form, quiet. When you're quiet before the Lord, uh, the spirit is not there. You must make noise before God accepts or comes and inhabits in that kind of worship. Some have different views of what worship is. We want to start our anchor in terms of emphasizing the point that the one who determines what worship is or what is acceptable is the Father. We want to read Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verses 8 to 9. Revelation 22, verses 8 to 9. All of you online, please, we want to see you also turn into or opening your Bibles. Revelation 22, verses 8 to 9. I'm reading from the NIV. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship. I fell down to worship. At the feet of the angel who had been showing me or showing them to me. So I want to start again from the verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. Worship God. Worship God. In the day and age that we're in, many people may worship a church, thinking that by worshiping a church, they're worshiping God. Some people are more committed to a church, the name of a church, a brand of a church, than they are to God. Some people are more committed to a pastor, to a prophet, to an individual than they are to God. And here, the angel of the Lord has shown many things to John when he was in the island of Patmos and had a, a, a revelation. And he had seen so many things. He had seen the great and mighty one who sits upon the throne and had seen the, the book being opened with the seven seals being taken off. And the seven seals also foretold what will happen in the future. And after he had seen all of that, he was amazed about by all of it. And he said his natural response, he was in awe. Because he was in awe by what he saw, he fell down at the feet of the angel and began to worship him. But the angel told him that, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. The only one who deserves our worship is God. No man should be worshipped. I told you last week that when we say worship, worship, when we say someone worships someone, that means that person is in awe of the person. They admire that person. They like that person so much that anytime they hear that person's name, that person just stares something within them. They just want to hear the person's voice. They want to be around the person. They can never say anything bad about that person. And also, they want to imitate that person. They want to dress like that person. They want to talk like that person. They want to be like that person. 
And here what John is saying, if there's anyone who you should imitate, be, in, be inspired by, it should not be an angel, it should not be a human being, it should be God. God alone deserves our worship. God alone deserves our worship. God alone deserves our worship. So therefore, the goal of our worship is to please God. The ultimate goal of our worship is to please the one who is receiving it, to please God. And it is actually impossible to please someone whom you don't know. It is impossible to please someone whom you don't know. If you don't have an intimate relationship with the person, you don't know the person personally, it becomes impossible. You will just be guessing. You will be guessing this is what the person like. Maybe others may do something which the person like, and you may think that is what you also need to do. When in reality, that is what, not what the person expects from you. So if you want to please the person, you must know the person very well before you are able to really please them. You must know what they like. You must know what they dislike as well. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 5, from verse 1 to 9, Peter has an encounter with Jesus. He's out fishing. And they've been toiling all night and they've caught nothing. Luke 5, verse 1 to 9. You may note it down. And then they meet Jesus. And Jesus tells him, Peter, cast your nets to the other side. And he says that we've been doing this all night. We've caught nothing. I'm an experienced fisherman. You, you know nothing about fishing. But when he humbly obeys the word of God, they have a catch that is so big and mighty, the Bible says that they couldn't contain it. They had to call other boats nearby to help them. And in that moment, Peter saw the glory of Jesus. He saw the majesty and the greatness of this Jesus. And his automatic response was to worship him. And in that moment, having realized how great Jesus was, he also realized how sinful he was. So therefore he told, get away from me for I am a man or I'm a sinful person. In worship, when we encounter God or when we get to know him, our worship truly comes from when you know who God is and you know who you are, then your response is your worship. When you know who God is, you know how great God is. You know how majestic he is. And you come to realize that this is who I am. Um, Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst unclean people. When he encountered God, when he realized and saw the glory of God and saw that the glory of God filled the whole room and he realized who he was, his response is worship. So your worship can only be true when you know God and you also know who you are. Then your response is the in-between. The worship, the worship. Um, our immediate former chairman said something. He defines worship as this. He says, worship is the outflow of the acknowledgement of who God is within the inner being of a person. So the acknowledgement of who God is. Once I come to know who God is, that there is none like him, that he was not created he has no beginning, no end. He is the first and the last. There is none before him. None that can be compared to him. None holy as the Lord. When I come to realize who God is, and this realization of who God is, is not a head knowledge. It is with our hearts we believe God. It's not about with our minds. But when we come to know who God is in the inside, then 
our acknowledgement of that, our response is our worship. So he says there is a type of worshiper that the father seeks. And we want to look at three instances or three examples to help us um, get a clear picture of what kind of worshiper God is seeking. Our first um, person who gave us who gave us an idea of the kind of worshiper God is seeking is Isaiah. There are many others, but I want to start with Isaiah. We'll read Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. I read. Listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah, we know, are places for sin and all of these things. This lesbianism and gayism didn't start in our generation. We see it at its peak in Sodom and Gomorrah. So here he's saying, listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. 11. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fats of fattening cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. So God is telling them that I get no pleasure. The goal of our worship is to please the one we are worshiping. And here the people are bringing rams and bulls and cattle to him. And he says, I get no pleasure. In our days, it could be our coming to church, our singing, our shouting, our offerings that we do. And here God is saying that I take no pleasure. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Let's go to 12. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremonies? Who asked you? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. This is someone who is very displeased by the people. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath, and your special days of fastings, they are all sinful and false. So you see, some people think what pleases the Lord or what is truly worship is the things we do in here. The celebration of this is a holy day, the Sabbath, the conventions, all these things, the way we dress to church. You see, I have a problem with people who think that, who say that when people come to church, they must dress a certain way. I agree with that. But when we gather here, God's presence is not only here. Outside, God's presence is also there. So if there are certain things you will not wear here, you shouldn't also wear it out there. Because God's presence is everywhere. So you see, the people are very religious. Very religious. They observe festivals. They go to church. They do everything. They offer fat offerings. And God is saying, the things that you do disgust me. So that means God is not looking for that kind of worshiper. 
There is a reason why their corporate worship is not accepted by the Lord. It says they are all sinful and false. So sometimes you can actually think that you're worshiping God and your worship is pleasing God, when in reality, God thinks it is sinful and false. Sinful and false. Um, recently, we met the choir and we're talking about how do you know when God's presence is in a church building? See, sometimes people think that when everybody is jumping and shouting, God's presence is there. But when you go to parties, people are jumping. They're clubs. People are jumping and shouting. People think that when people start falling, then that means the presence of God is there. Go to Shatawale concerts. Go to Davido concerts. You will see people jump, jump, dropping and collapsing. Is the presence of God there? No. 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 So the understanding of the weight of the presence of the presence of God is not understood. The people thought that the things they were doing was what was pleasing God, was making them acceptable. It says, I want none, as, I want no more of your pious meetings. So they are holy in the building, but outside, different lifestyle. 14. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. This is, this is very strong words God is using. These are strong words. It says they are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. I cannot stand them. When 15, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. So God is saying, when you lift up your hands, when a choir leader says, everyone lift your hand and worship, God says, at that moment, I turn my eyes. Turn my eyes. Turn my head from looking. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. So some people think when you pray all day, when you pray at midnight, when you pray all these things, these are the things that pleases God. And God is saying that there is something missing. These things alone, this is not the main thing. There is something else that is missing. Before this kind of act of worship, the peripheral stuff can be accepted. There is a core thing that must be addressed. I'll read the 15 again. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with blood of innocent victims. For your hands are covered with blood of innocent victims. Then 16, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. The kind of worship that pleases God is when we come humbly before him, acknowledging who he is and acknowledging who we are in his sight. And our response is our worship. So if we're unclean, uh, coming before him, that what makes him uh, or what makes our worship, corporate worship acceptable, is when we actually admit our wrongs and come humbly before him. Instead of coming with pretense, coming with all piousness, coming in a way as if we're holier than thou. He says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Learn to do good. Learn to do good. Jesus speaking about good, he says that when you do good to people who do good to you, you're no different to worldly people. 
when you greet people who greet you, you're no different to worldly, um, to worldly people. When we talk about doing good, doing good to those who don't deserve your goodness. Just as Romans 5 verse 8 says, whilst we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us. Not when we've repented, not when we sought forgiveness. Whilst we, ha- we were yet sinners, we had not even acknowledged our sins, Christ came to die for us. So he's saying the kind of worshiper he seeks is the type who acknowledges they are wrong before him, is humble about their sins, is not trying to blame others or other things for their wrong. They have learned to do good. They seek justice. Seek justice. Maybe it is not you, but tomorrow it could be you. Maybe it's not you. Tomorrow it could be your brother. When they see something that is wrong, they speak up about it. Justice. One of the characters of God is that God is a just God. He is a fair God. He cannot roam around and see injustice and just be quiet about it. In this generation now we're in, when people see something that is wrong, the first thing they do is get their phones and just want to record for social media. They just, they just want to, yes, everyone just wants to mind their business. But there's something about Africa I like that when something is going wrong, and people see it. You will see people from all around come around because justice is an aspect of God. Learn to be just. In the workplace, when something is wrong, just because it's not you, you speak about it. At home, in the environment, in the community, wherever you are, as long as you are there, something should not happen to someone that you keep quiet about it. Justice. Help the oppressed. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight the fight or fight for the rights of widows. These are the kind of worshippers. It says you neglect all of these things. And then you think when you come into my presence or when you come into a chess meeting, that worship becomes accepted. He said, because of what you have been doing from uh, Monday to Saturday, when you come here, the two hours or so you spend is worthless. It is false. It is, it is impure in my eyes because the kind of worshiper I seek is not someone who just lifts holy hands here, but they lift holy hands everywhere they go. They do the right thing everywhere they go. So God is not looking for part-time worshipers. God is looking for full-time worshipers. Sometimes people say when we go to heaven, all we'll do 24-7 is worship God. So if you're not familiar with how to worship God here, when you get to heaven, you will struggle. If yours is only two hours or an hour 45 minutes, when you get to heaven, you will struggle. God is looking for full-time worshipers. Let's read one other text. Isaiah 29, verse 13. So Isaiah is telling us the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks. Isaiah 29, verse 13. Isaiah 29, verse 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So it is not authentic. It is not original. It is just, it is based on traditions. Merely human rules. 
that they have been taught. Yes, God works that way with our fathers. But it doesn't mean that is the way God is working in our days. God might have moved on. How our fathers gave him worship, he might have accepted that. But in our days, God wants authentic worship. He wants your heart, not your lips. If your heart is not right with him, then whatever flows out of your lips will never be right with him. Will never be accepted by him. He says, they come with, to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. Honor me with their lips. Sometimes when we come into even the church service and we're having that moment that we call worship or adoration, sometimes people just repeat words and say it without really understanding what they're saying. Oh, Lord, you are great. Lord, you are mighty. Lord, you are awesome. Then, Lord, you are great. Lord, you are awesome. The reality of what they're saying, they've actually not understood it. They've not caught how great and awesome this God is. Says their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. God is not wanting that kind of worship. He wants something that is you, authentic from you. One thing I like about our God is that, you see, he's able to understand all languages and all people. He doesn't want you to be like Pastor Elvis before your worship to him can be accepted. He wants you to be you. And when you offer it in your own unique way, in your own style, that is what pleases God. That is what pleases God. Sometimes you see it also in our church gatherings. Some people, when it comes to prayer, then they start praying in King James language. Thou, die. And then after they finish, you don't hear that language from their mouth anymore. It is as though it is that language that is accepted by God. No. You see, one of the beauties of our Christianity that differs to Islam. You see, Islam, when you are I met a taxi driver and I was asking him, how do you convert to Islam? And he told me that you have to say some prayers in Arabic or so. And I said, but I don't understand what I'm saying. So, and are you saying that the God that you're serving cannot hear me when I speak my normal language? I have to speak some words I don't understand. So then, then this God is not relevant. But with God, whatever flows out of you, as long as it's from the heart and it's genuine, he understands. He understands. So, we see from Isaiah that God is seeking a kind of worshiper, a full-time worshiper. Someone whose worship is not based on ceremonies and meetings and services and those things. It's not based on that, but it's based on justice. It's based on being like God, being good to all people, being kind, being gracious. Then, the second kind of worshiper or person who taught us about worship is Jesus. Maybe I'll leave one out and we'll look at just Jesus. Jesus, in Luke 10, 38 to 42, you may note it down, Luke 10, 38 to 42, told us about two sisters, Mary and Martha. Two sisters. Martha was busy trying to impress Jesus. Trying to impress Jesus. Whilst Mary was just at his feet, just in awe with him, just listening to his words, consuming his words. And then Martha complained and said, Jesus, 
What Mary is doing is unfair. Tell her to stop what she's doing and come and help me. And Jesus said, no, only one thing is needful. Only one thing is important. And Mary has chosen that important thing. So you see, working for God or doing things for God is totally different to spending time with God. The one thing that God wants is for you to spend time with him. God is a relational God. He wants to have intimacy with you. He wants to have your attention. He wants you to be inspired by him. He wants to have your morning, your afternoon, your evening. He wants you, the way Mary was just lapsing at the attention of Jesus. That is what God wants from you. What God wants from you. When two people speak or when someone comes and gives you advice and you know the word of God says something else, he wants you to be in awe with his word. The words that come out of his mouth. The kind of worshiper God seeks is not people who want to do things to impress God. After all, what has been done or what can be done that has not been done already to impress God? Who can actually do something that God himself has not seen before or has not done before? All he wants from us is our attention. That you give him your heart. He has that priority in your life. So, in answering the same question about the kind of worshiper God seeks, Jesus himself told us something else. In John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So Jesus is hungry. He's tired. He needs to go somewhere. And he decides to pass through Samaria. And he gets there around about 6 p.m. And he sits by the well. And he sends his disciples to go and get some food. And a woman comes to the well and she's there to fetch water. This woman is a Samaritan, or Samarian, sorry, rather, she's a Samarian, and Jesus is a Jew. There are so many conflicts in that situation. Now, when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom, and they took the ten tribes into exile, they took them into the land of Samaria, and the Jews then intermarried with those who were living there. So the Samarians or the Samaritans are people who were mixed in race. So the Jews refused to accept them because they felt they were not pure. They were not pure Jews. So there was that conflict. It's a bit like maybe you may say Northern Cyprus and um, mainland or Republic of Cyprus. One does not accept the other. And two, culturally... A Jew would not also find himself in public. It is said that the, Jew, the Jewish men were such a way that they may not even speak to their wives in public. So they may not even speak to their wives in public, let alone a Samarian woman in public. Then he meets the woman and he tells the woman that I want water. Now Jesus uses water as a way to start the conversation. But when you read throughout the account, he actually doesn't drink any water. He's not interested in water. What is interested is the woman's heart. So he uses water as a conversation starter. The woman says, 
Why are you Jew asking me a Sumerian for water? Then she goes on to say, what do you have to draw the water with? Then the conversation goes on and Jesus reveals the woman's identity to her. He tells the woman that you have had five husbands in the past and the man you're now with is not your husband, meaning that it is someone else's husband. So he reveals her identity to her. I told her that worship starts once we come to understand who God is and know who we are and accept who we are, our response afterwards is our worship. So we want to pick the story from the verse 19. So Jesus reveals the woman's identity to her. And then after that, verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in, on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. 22. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must, not me. It's not an option. Must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am he. I who speak to you. Says a time is coming. Actually, the time has come. It's not that it's coming. When those who worship God must worship him in spirits, and in truth, those are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. No longer should our worship just be based on a mountain or in one location. You see, in the Old Testament, before Moses' time, any time that any of the um, patriarchs encountered God, they would build an altar in that place, and then they would offer worship on that place to God. Abraham did it. He did it in Gerizim as well. Jacob did it. Isaac did it. Anytime, anywhere at all that they have an encounter with God, they build an altar there and then they would sacrifice and worship God there. And then during the time of Moses, God said that I don't want worship or offerings or sacrifice to be made anywhere else. I want to build a tabernacle. And all worships must be offered in just that one place. Anywhere else is false. That was what God said temporarily for that moment. So they did that. And after they did that, later on during the time of um, Solomon, God said that Jerusalem will be the place where I want to be worshipped. So build a tabernacle there in Jerusalem. So if anyone wants to offer anything to God, they shouldn't build altars anywhere. They should bring their offerings and their sacrifices to this one place where I have chosen to put my name. That was what God did. See, if 
Solomon and David had missed the voice of God, they would have built the tabernacle just the same place Moses built his in the wilderness. Because they might have thought that tradition, the old way, is the right way. Not knowing God has moved on from them. So, the Jews felt that Jerusalem is the place. And they were right because up until that time, Jerusalem is the place where they were to offer their worship. And the Samaritans or Samarians felt that um, Mount Gerasim is the place because one of the first places that Moses, uh, sorry, Abraham built an altar is Gerasim. So they felt that was the place. And Jesus is saying that true worship is not about location. The kind of worshipers whom God wants, uh, their worship is not just based on a, at a location. So once you leave that location, that means your worship ceases. No, he's saying the kind of worship or worshipers God is seeking are people who will worship God every time, everywhere, and every day. People who will worship God every time, everywhere, and every day. So it doesn't matter if you are in Turkey. Because your worship is not based on a location. It's not that when I was in Ghana, or, or I, I must be in Ghana. No. It's not that I must be in Nigeria. No. It doesn't matter where you are. Your worship must be true everywhere, every place, every time. These are the kind of worshipers God seeks. Worship is not based on a location. Look at what COVID has done to us. You're now in your home. Are you not worshiping God? So... If he's saying, and then he goes to say that God is spirit. That means God is not an object. See, an object is fixed in one place. When we say God is spirit, that means God is everywhere. It's like air. God is everywhere. The psalmist says, where can I go to hide from your presence? When I go to the heavens, you're there. When I go to the depths of hell, you are there. Where can I go to hide from your presence? So the implication is that God is looking for people who worship him everywhere. When you go to work, God is there. In your home, God is there. In your community, God is there. Wherever you are, God is there. And his presence there is he's looking at you, expecting worship from you. He's expecting the things you do, the things you say, to bring glory and praise and honor to his name. God is spirit. So God is looking for those kind of worshipers. Those kind of worshipers. In terms of truth, or he says, the, um, those who worship must worship in spirit. You see, the chapter before, John chapter 3, God dealt with, Jesus dealt with a man called um, Nicodemus. And he told him that except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Except your spirit is renewed, you cannot offer true worship to God. Except you accept him as your Lord and personal savior. And as he says in um, Ezekiel, he says, I'll put a new heart within you. Not a heart of stone anymore, a heart of flesh. When we say a heart of flesh, a heart that is sensitive. A heart of stone is hard. Uh, when, even when God speaks, you just, the person is just rigid and solid. I'll put my spirit within you. So until your spirit is regenerated, until you are born again and you've accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you cannot offer true worship to God. Whatever you do will be from your mind and not from your heart. And also, the role of the Holy Spirit is to teach us all things. 
And if the father seeks a certain kind of worship, it is the job of the Holy Spirit to teach you what will please God and how to worship him. So if you do not surrender to the Holy Spirit, the honest truth is that the worship or whatever you offer may please men, but the almighty God will not please him. God is looking for those who worship him in spirit. So first, your spiritual condition is important. And when we talk about in truth, in truth, Truth is the absence of lies and pretense. Sometimes when people come to church or service gatherings, the way they pretend, the way they go overboard, it's too much. It's too much. Truth, that means there is no lie, there is no pretense. You are who you are. There is no lie. There is no cover-up. Now, I told you that you must know who God is and you must know who you are. So the woman had hidden her issue of her husband's and her past. But Jesus revealed that to her and she accepted that is her past. You must accept this is who I am in the sight of God. So you must come to know that. Second thing about truth is that, you see, the woman had a progression of knowledge about who Jesus was. She first saw him as a Jew. Then she saw him as someone who is greater than Jacob. Then she went to see him as a prophet. Then she saw him as a Messiah, the one who is to save us. Until you see him as your Messiah, the Christ, you will not be able to worship him properly. So we must have an understanding of who God is. So as I bring my message to an end for today, God is looking for a certain kind of worshiper. One whose spirit is right with him. One who has a clean heart. Um, David in Psalm 51 prayed, he says, renew a right spirit within me. When your spirit is right with God, then what flows out of your mouth, what your hands touch, what your leg does, gives praise and glory to God. God is not just looking for ceremonies and other things like that. What he wants is for you to be like him. Seek justice. God is spirit. And therefore, he wants you that wherever you appear, to acknowledge that he is there. The honest truth is that if we realize that God is everywhere, the way we'll behave will be totally different. And you need to have that change of mind. If you realize that God is there, the way you would talk to your wife will be totally different. The way you talk to your people at workplace will be different. The way you talk to your manager will be different. The way you lie. One thing that I, I, I hate a lot about um, people is when they say, you ask them, where are you? And they say, I'm five minutes away. Meanwhile, they've not even left home. Why, what, what's the need for all those lies? You know very well. Certain things is like cultural. It's become okay. This morning, afternoon, God wants a true worshiper. A certain kind of worshiper. And before you can be that kind, you must be born again. You must accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. You must surrender to the Holy Spirit. Because you, by your own strength, cannot offer the kind of worship God wants. It is the Holy Spirit who will help you. We can't end this sermon without giving an opportunity to make things right with God. 
If you would like to do so, then I would humbly ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, I confess that I am a sinner and that I fall short of your expectations. I thank you for sending Jesus to die and to resurrect for my sake. This day, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and my personal Savior. I accept the forgiveness you offer and I accept the salvation you also offer. Come live in me. Come change me. Come help me so that my life may please you. This I have prayed in Jesus' mighty name with thanksgiving. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, congratulations, well done. It's the first step. You can get in touch with us through any of our social media handles and we will help you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he watch over you. May he shine his face upon you. May he give you rest and peace in everything. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like to know more or have any questions, please contact us by email at info at copcypress.org or in any of our social media platforms at the COP Cyprus. God bless you.